This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player. This is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all-time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field? He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another Mike Missanelli Podcast. This will be podcast episode number 29. Doing it on Monday, December 5th. Sponsored by the great people at, at Bet Rivers. Don't forget to download that Bet Rivers app. Okay, the subject today. Yes, we, are, we, we like to join you on Mondays because it's time to do a little Eagles recap. And what they did last night, yesterday afternoon, here's what they did. They went to 11-1. And, and uh, the impression that you get immediately after the game is, boy, damn, this team's pretty good. Yes, they are pretty good. And uh, yesterday, it was really interesting because, you know, I've seen a lot of Eagle teams, and they never expose or, or go at – the weakness of another team. But this team obviously knew that the Titans could not stop the pass. Now, how many times did we go through the Andy Reid era where Andy Reid would see a team, they, well, they're not good against the run, and he, so he, he wouldn't run. He would pass. But I, I'll give credit to Nick Sirianni and the coaching staff. They formulated a game plan where they go, they're 31st in the league against the pass. Guess what we're going to do in this game? We're going to pass the football. And that's exactly what they did. More passes than runs in this game because they recognized right away that the Titans would have no answer for their passing game. So um, let's look at what uh, a couple of guys did in this game. Jalen Hurts. Now, we're going to get to around the NFL in a little bit uh, because there's all this MVP talk now for Joe Burrow. I do not understand how the league cannot be talking about Jalen Hurts Uh, as the absolute number one candidate to win MVP in this league. Another amazing performance yesterday. Threw for 380 yards, 29 for 39. His rating was 130.3. Three touchdowns uh, passing, and he scored one on the legs. The Eagles had uh, – this advantage is amazing. 411 and 152 total yards at the end of the third quarter. That's how easy it was for them to move the football. And, of course, uh, A.J. Brown, eight snags for 119 yards, two TDs against his old team. He kind of downplayed going against his old team, but we had talked about it prior to this game in our last podcast. You know, you, you when, when somebody kind of bails out on you, kind of gives up on you, tells you you're not worthy, you want to come back with a vengeance and bust them up. And I wonder how the Tennessee Titans fans are feeling today. As AJ eight for nineteen, two touchdowns, one on a wide open play, where he double moved a guy, and it was so effective that the D back smashed into him. It, it AJ emerges unfazed and goes down the field. The other guy drops like a stone, and so he was thirty yards uh, open on that play. And the other one where he just he snagged it right out of a guy. I mean, it, it, Trey Avery had pretty good coverage on him. The ball drops in. He goes, "Give me that," and and gets the touchdown. Uh, Boom. Um, So let's just take the first drive of the game because the Eagles have really been successful in their first drive of the game, setting the tone for the game. And you knew if you got ahead of this team, 
and you kind of hung in there and got ahead of them by, by a couple of scores that they were going to be incapable of coming back because they can't throw the football at Titans. And if you're stopping Derrick Henry, you stop the Titans. They can't do anything about it. So first drive, they go right down the field, and he hits Devontae Smith for a 34-yard touchdown to make it 7 nothing. Now, in this drive, mind you, and through the whole game almost, they were shackled by these penalties. Nine penalties on the offensive line. False starts all over the place. That usually messes up a team. The Eagles took those penalties like a man and, and, and were unfazed by them and, and just get the ball down the field to take the lead. Now, um, in this first drive, it, it was third and eight. Uh, they, they, uh, they got a short pass to Devontae that, that got him 20. And uh, second and five, a pass to the middle of Gainwell for 14. Deep pass to Quez, doesn't connect. But then he comes right back to Devontae, boom, for the 34-yard TD. And it's at seven nothing. Um, the Titans come back a little bit, uh, and they come back to tie it. And the only thing really that they they did uh, all day really uh, was to, to, the, the Eagles wrong was to allow Tannehill on that drive to do a couple things. They converted a third, a three third downs on that drive, and a fourth and seven at the Eagles forty, where they let him get outside the pocket, and and he he scrambled for a first down. Now. Uh, when you look at this play, and as you know, I, I work a post-game show with Seth Joyner, and fourth and seven, he's screaming at the television, send the house, which is probably the right thing to do. But we have learned now through these, this many games this season that that's not what Jonathan Cannon's ever going to do. So in a fourth and seven, he does not bring the heat. He allows Tannehill to get, get outside the pocket on a scramble, and, and they get the first down. And that precedes the touchdown pass to Traylon Burks which was a good throw. And for the Titans, it was good in short term, but bad in long term because uh, Epps smashes them into a concussion. Targeting penalty, they get the penalty, but Traylon Burks is out for the rest of the game. Now, I I hate to to glorify an injury, but in this particular situation, without Traylon Burks, the the Titans were severely hampered on what they were going to be doing in the passing game if the Eagles were stopping the running game. So, it looks bad that a guy drills a guy with the crown and helmet and knocks him out, but for the Eagles, it worked out in their favor. Um, forget about it from there, though. The Eagles respond with a seven-play, 85-yard drive to take a 14-7 lead. Um, first and 10, they were at the Tennessee 40. He hit A.J. for what looked like a touchdown. Uh, the rule was his one foot was his toe was out of bounds. It was the right call. So on the next play, instead of going to the right, where they hit A.J. Brown up play. He just comes back to the left and, and bang, and he, and he gets A.J. wide open for the TD. So on consecutive plays, it was like, okay, this, let's mess around a little bit. We'll get this touchdown. We'll go up 14-7. to seven. And then to me, the most important sequence of the game is a sequence here that uh, we need to pay attention. The defense held Tennessee after that touchdown where they took the lead to a field goal. Now, the Titans had gotten to the eight. And they had a false start and then a sack by Sweat. By the way, the Eagles had six sacks on the day. Sweat had two of them, which knocked them back to the 18, and they held there. So the Titans had to uh, uh, settle for three points there. So it's now 14 to 10. And then 328 left, the Eagles get the ball. They rush it down the the field to get a touchdown before halftime to make it 21-10, which is game over at that point. Now, you're ahead by 11 against this team. It's game over. So that touchdown was uh, was really pertinent for the Eagles, scoring before the first half to make it 21-10. to 10. And then on the other side of that, their first drive of the second half was the Brown catch over Avery, which made it 28-10. And, uh, and you're watching the game. i got to be honest with you. The Eagles are so good that when they're up 28-10 to 10 against a team like the Titans, it's boring. I mean, let's face it. It's absolute. It's absolute boredom to watch them close out a game when the other when you know the other team can't come back and score, and they got a touchdown late, and they took points off the board even to get that touchdown. Poor the poor kicker. I mean, Jake Elliott and the poor guys that had fantasy for Jake. They took the three off the board. Sorry, Jake. Go back and sit in your little kitchen uh, kicking room there with your with the punter and the long snapper. You guys can hang out a little bit. We're gonna score a touchdown here. And they score for the finish of 35 to 10. Here's the question. And Darren, our producer Darren is with us. 
I want to bring in uh, you for this. Was this Jalen Hurts' best game of his career? No, because the Tennessee, first of all, there were two massive injuries for the Titans on defense in the first half, including one one was their best quarterback. So the, and the Tennessee had no pass defense at that point. He played really well, but well, he's they're, had they're, better they're, games. Their best cornerback, by the way, still made him 31st in the league against the pass. Right. So let, let's not get carried away with how good he was. Well, I'm just saying that the, he was their best player in the defensive backfield, okay. and they were bad already. Uh, he's played better games, but he's certainly the MVP leader in the clubhouse, in my opinion, right now. All right. So 130.3 rating in this game. I don't know. I think it's actually his second best rating of a game. They're, 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 I forget what game that he, he had a better rating, but 130.3, 29 for 39, three touchdowns, and he ran one in is a pretty good performance in, in my book. It's good. I don't, I don't think much of a QB rating. I never did because it doesn't take into account how good the other team is that you're playing. It just, it's an individual statistic number. It doesn't take into account that you're playing the 31st pass defense in the league. Yeah, well, what I'll, I'll take I'll take one thirties any day. I, to but week. if he does that against Dallas and that defense, that's much more of, a, of an accomplishment. Uh, okay. Well, let, 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 but see, we can't. I don't. I don't want to even go. Well, he has to do it against a one thirties, one thirty, and it was a great performance. great performance. You asked me if it was his best game. Okay. No, it was. All right. Well, what was his best game? Do you have one handy? I, do, well, I have to look at the schedule this year. There was twice this year where I said, that's his best game. The first time, I thought he played really well against Minnesota in week two. And I don't have the schedule in front of him, but he played. He's had better games this season. I know he's had at least two better games this season against better competition. And, and to me, that means a lot. I don't care. that you know The Titans are one of those teams, and you said it. This game was over at halftime. They had an 11-point lead. They're not built to come back. Yeah, because you knew that you knew the Titans weren't going to come back and do anything. Derrick Henry, this is three straight games now for him, where it's really a simplistic game plan. I mean, you gang up when he's going to get the ball, and you limit him. He had thirty yards in this game for crying out loud, and and you go, okay, Tannehill. Now, 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 Tannehill has played well over the last couple of weeks, but but in this game, um, he wasn't going to come back and beat them with the the lack of weapons that he has. So in recapping this game, Hurts close to being his best game, complete game. AJ's revenge, and, and you know, and he talked about it afterwards. He he kind of wanted to stay in Tennessee, and they said, sorry, we can't pay you. We don't think you're worth X. So when somebody thinks you're not worth X, they, they, you, you never forget that. You know, and, and even if you're in a better situation, I mean, my God, he he died and went to heaven for crying out loud coming to Philadelphia. He he's uh, he got a hundred million dollar contract. He he's playing with a team that that could possibly go to the Super Bowl. So Tennessee should really be in his rearview mirror, but it's not because it's the human condition. When you're shunned by somebody, you want to come back and bust their ass. And so he did that to the Titans. And uh, uh, I, you know, listen. Uh, he put his head on the pillow last night and felt good about it uh, because of what his performance was against his old team that didn't want him anymore. All right, the defense, six sacks, Stonewall Derrick Henry. Here's a big one. The special teams were much better. We had complained about the Eagles special teams for a while, especially on, on the return game because, you know, Britton Covey was getting mauled, basically. He wasn't breaking anything. Well, well Covey comes out uh, with six punt returns, for uh, 105 yards, 17.5 average with a long of 27. That it has, certainly hasn't happened all year. So whatever tweaks they made, and there were hints during the week they were going to put more uh, uh, regular players out there on special teams. And I, I really didn't study it that hard, but they had probably better personnel on their special teams, especially in the return game. And the other thing that helped them is the Tennessee punter outkicks his coverage. So Covey was getting it, getting a 10, 15-yard head start, and a little guy like that can build up a head of steam and figure it out from that point on. But the special teams were way improved. Um, okay, now here's where we are, because the Eagles at 11-1 and one, uh, have three straight games on the road. There's a really interesting dynamic about playing three straight games on the road, where the third game that you play is almost a dead loss. It, it, it almost comes out to like 75%. I used to study this trend in betting. 
three games on the road for an NFL team. Now, I know you got a week to rest between games, but there's something about playing three games on the road as opposed to two games on the road. So next week they're at the Giants, which is not really a road trip. That's a bus trip up there, uh, and they should not have any problems in that game. I- I'm guessing that the Eagles will be a uh, maybe a, a, a five, six-point favorite in that game against the Giants. Then they go to the Bears. Now, the Bears stink on ice. But that's that middle game with Dallas on deck. Now, the thing about this Eagle team is I think they're they're too good to fall into a trap like that and actually lose that game to the Bears. But there's no way they can't be looking ahead to Dallas, which is the third straight game on the road. So you fly to Chicago, you come back, you fly to Dallas. The, the, the miles on the airplane aren't a lot, but it's the dynamic of being on the road for three straight uh, uh, weeks that scares me a little bit, especially because Dallas – is the third game. Darren, you have any thoughts on that? You're also got to take into consideration that the Eagles aren't going to need that game, and Dallas is going to need that game. It's, I mean, look, you said it. It's a bus ride to New York. It's a 90-minute plane ride, if that, to Chicago. They're not really long road trips. A lot of those third game on the road where, they, where it's, you know, almost a, a, uh, insurmountable to, to, put, to win that third game, there's a lot more travel involved, you know, West Coast back and forth. If you look at the, the main, if you look at the numbers, very little travel here. Um, they play well on the road. It's not like this team doesn't play well on the road. They play well on the road. I don't think it'll be a problem. Um, and I, I just think they're, they're just a better team than Dallas. I had a discussion this morning. I think they're a better team than Dallas, too. However, I can't expect that they're going to they're going to go three straight road games and win that third one. I, I, if there's ever a loss on the schedule, it would be that third game in, in this sequence against Dallas, which wouldn't matter. It, it, it really wouldn't matter. No, it wouldn't matter. You're probably right. If there's a loss, that's the game. But they've won, thir- they've won 11 of yes. 12 games. This, is, this will be, without question. You can't say, well, that's a loss. I'm done with that. The Tennessee was the only game everybody said, well, that's the loss. Yeah, but th- no. this is, without question, will be their toughest game. I agree. The third game. All I right, agree. so we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. It's, let's now look at the playoff picture. I'd like to look at this now. We're only 12 games in, and a lot can happen. But I always like to look at the playoff structure and what it is right now. Because to me, it's very interesting. And these, again, these teams could jockey in position. So I'm going to give you the NFC and the AFC playoff picture at this particular time. The Eagles right now, obviously the number one seed, get the bye, wait it out for the other teams to play. And right now, as we stand, it's the seven seed at the number two seed. The seven seed right now is Seattle at seven and five at the two seed Minnesota, which won by the hair of the chinny chin chin again. Uh, to go 10-2, and two. Seattle, Minnesota, uh, the sixth seed right now, the Giants tying the Washington Commanders are 7-4-1. and four and one. They will be at the three-seed San Francisco, which just lost their quarterback, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and then it's the five-seed, Dallas, 9-3 and three right now, at the four-seed, Tampa Bay, that's going to win their division with a losing record uh, at this point. So if we take the chalk on this, unless you think Seattle can go to Minnesota and win, which is very possible, I guess, the chalk goes Minnesota, San Francisco, uh, Dallas as the winners in that first round, which means the Eagles' first game in the playoffs will be home against Dallas. I had that exact discussion this morning with my buddy. You, 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 play, you, you play the lowest seed that survives. Now, if the lowest seed is Seattle, which could beat Minnesota, I don't think the Giants are going to San Francisco and win that game. Dallas will, will beat Tampa Bay, I believe. So unless Seattle pulls the upset, the Eagles' first game will be at Lincoln Financial Field against <laughs> the Cowboys. How are you feeling about that? Uh, here's how I feel about it, because I had this discussion with one of my best friends this morning, because I actually called him and said uh, – should we book our hotel in Arizona in February and tickets for the Phoenix Open the same weekend? Should we do that this week? And uh, here's why. There is no team, no team that's going to come into the link in January and win. There's no way. Absolutely not. The Bills couldn't do it. The Chiefs couldn't do it. 
The Bengals couldn't do it. Nobody's coming into Philly and winning. I don't care. Dallas will be the toughest opponent. I think it's I think it's funny that it'll be the first game. And though, you know, we're coming off a bye. So give me that. Give me them in that spot all day. Nobody. Nobody's coming into the Lincoln winning. I, I listen, I uh I, I happen to agree with you. I, I think I think this Eagles team, personnel wise, is the best they've had. Ever? Um and it's and I at least I think it's better than the team that won the Super Bowl. You're saying that so you're saying this is the all time personnel wise best team in the league in the uh, the franchise history. Yeah, well personnel wise because they, they, they squandered a couple chances back in the McNabb era. But if we're taking it right now, if we're gonna use the measuring stick of twenty seventeen, this team is better personnel wise than twenty seventeen that won the Super Bowl. You agree with that? Uh Here's the thing, though. This is what bothers me about this current NFL. There are so many terrible teams. I mean, 60 to 70% of the league is putrid. The league itself overall is a bad product. So are we weighing that into this? I mean, could is it would this team be this good in the eighties? Yeah, that's a good point. Nineties. No, it's a good point, but, but I, you know, I look at their depth. I look at the personnel. I look. I look at their defensive line. They've got so many interchangeable parts right now. Their linebackers are playing better than than linebackers have played with the Eagles in a really long time, and their secondary is tight. So I, I look at that alone, and they, forget about offense. I I don't know if they if ever had a diversity of weapons. Goddard's not even playing right now, so you got to put him in, in the mix with the offensive line, with Goddard in there, with the two wideouts, with Miles Sanders having a great year. I can't see where people could look at twenty seventeen and say that personnel was better. I've, I've been convinced. No, of I it. think this is a better team than twenty seventeen. I agree with you. This is a better team than the Super Bowl championship team in twenty seventeen. The one thing, though, I will say this: I agree with you when healthy. When fully healthy, when Goddard's back, when Maddox is back, when everybody's back, I don't know that this team has a weak point. I can't find a weakness, except for maybe kickoff. <laughs> no, you're 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 right. And and to me, they're not being talked about enough because the AFC teams have dominated the conversation and the Eagles fall somewhere in the mix, but there are not enough people that are blown away by the Eagles, and that's fine. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a great spot to be in. With the expectation, like people think that Bills are better or the Chiefs or whoever is better. That's fine. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. All season, though, I've been consistent that the Bills and the Chiefs were, were better mm-hmm. teams than the Eagles. I'm not saying yeah. that anymore. No, you're right. The Eagles, I think, are the best team in football. All right, let's look at the AFC. Right now, uh, the Buffalo Bills – with the number one seed with a nine and three record. And then it's the seven seed Jets, seven and five. Uh, at the number two seed, Kansas City. Um, the Miami Dolphins, the sixth seed, would be at the three seed, the Baltimore Ravens. And I got to be honest with you, I think I think Miami playing much better than the Ravens at this point. So uh, that could be an upset. And then, of course, five, the Cincinnati Bengals, they're coming on at eight and four. At the Tennessee Titans, who are still in the picture, they're the four seed uh, at seven and five. So let's let's just try to uh, uh, extrapolate the winners here. Uh, the Jets at KC, tall order for the Jets to go to KC. I think the Chiefs win that game. Miami at the Ravens. I got to be honest with you. I, I think Miami pulls that that upset as the sixth seed. Cincinnati playing really well right now. Cincinnati wins that. So Buffalo then would play the lowest remaining seed. Buffalo would host Miami in that first game. Kansas City, Cincinnati again. And the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs three times. They are obviously the kryptonite to the Chiefs. Can they do it four straight? Why not? Cincinnati smells blood right now. Joe Burrow's my guy, Mike. I love him. My favorite quarterback in the well, league. Well, I, I tell you, he's, get, he's getting all this MVP claim. I think it's a violation, frankly. He's just coming on now, and I know he's playing really well. Hurts by far, to me, is the choice for MVP rather than Joe Burrow. So there you go with the playoff picture right now. Again, that could change. But keep in mind, first game, get your popcorn. Get your tickets because it could be the Dallas Cowboys coming to Lincoln Financial Field in the first playoff game the Eagles play. All right, let's uh, do a little thing we like to call the NFL Five. These are five things that caught my eye on the uh, NFL weekend. Uh, let's let's start now with uh, number one, the San Francisco 49ers. They win, but Jimmy G, broken bones in his foot. He is out for the season. It is fascinating to me. 
that a guy can come off the scrap heap, the last player chosen in the 2022 draft from Iowa State named Brock Purdy, and he comes into the game and does a nice job. 25 for 37. Um, he had a 5.7 average, which means they kept it you know, pretty pedestrian for the kids. Short passes. They didn't, uh, you know, they had simple throws. He threw for two touchdowns. He didn't get intercepted, but they beat the Dolphins 33-17. And Christian McCaffrey. Boy, it, it, it's nice to have a guy like that you trade for, right? Christian McCaffrey, caught, he had 17 carries, 66 yards. He caught eight more balls for 80 yards. He counted for 146 yards alone, which helps a, a quarterback a little green. A lot green, frankly. Brock Purdy, for crying out loud, that's the guy they throw in there. So now the, the, you, you have to discuss this in, in in larger terms. The 49ers are one of these scary teams, and their defense is going to keep them in every game. But what does this do to them now? Can they possibly win for the rest of the year with Brock Purdy? Uh, adrenaline is one thing. You come into the game, the game plan, help you out with the game plan. Now you now you got to plan an entire game with this kid. And uh, let's face it, he's not a pedigree player. So I don't know how they're going to get by for the rest of the year with with Brock Purdy. They have a savvy coach who I think will tailor a a game plan where he keeps this kid out of trouble, though. Um, So um, uh, we'll see. They've got some depth. I mean, listen, in this game, they won the game with George Kittle only getting two catches. Uh, Debo had six. Ayuk had five. So you you get enough uh, uh, output from from. The, the major players on your team, but it's going to be interesting to see what the 49ers are the rest of the way. Cause they're the team that everybody's scared about. All right. Number two in the NFL five Bengals beat the chiefs again, three straight two this year, beat him in Arrowhead, beat him at home. Joe Burrow, all of a sudden MVP conversation. Now they win this game with no Joe Mixon. doesn't matter. Samaj P Ryan, who, like, another guy that nobody really thought much of. You know, he came onto the scene and had some moments, but then kind of blended in and got moved from the team. Uh, suddenly, he's reborn. 21 carries for a season-high 106 uh, as the Bengals beat the Chiefs again. What What does Andy Reid think? That he can't beat this team. Like, was there a team that the Eagles always struggle with under Andy Reid? Was there one team that Andy Reid could never beat? I'm sensing there was. I can't remember what it was. Um, I, I mean, he, he always had a problem with Belichick, not just the Super Bowl, like in the regular season, too. I know they beat them that one time with A.J. Feely. But... Was it the Saints he always had a problem with? There was, there was always a team he had a problem with. I think it might, might have been the Saints. But in any event, when you beat a team three straight, you beat them in their house, you beat them here, you beat them in the playoffs – you got such a confidence level. You got we beat this team. We're better than this team. And the other team shrivels up a little bit. It goes, why? Well, why can't we beat this team? And the element of doubt creeps in. So the Bengals are in a pretty good spot right now. All right, number three in the NFL five. The Vikings outlasted the Jets. Jets make a furious comeback in this game with the with their quarterback Mike White. They had two chances to go ahead. Go ahead touchdown first. Braxton Barrios couldn't hold a short pass near the goal line, fumbled it around, and then Camry Bynum intercepts White at the one-yard line. You talk about heartbreak with the Jets. And the Minnesota Vikings win all these close games. They have a phenomenal record in games decided by a minimal amount of points. They, they win by the skin of their ass, uh, but they're 10-2, and two, so they survive. All right, number four in the NFL five. The Commanders and the Giants with a tie. Get the overtime. Graham Gano with a chance to win it. Now, uh, interesting, like after the game, he estimated that he could be good at that end of the stadium from 53 yards. The only problem was this was a 58-yard field goal. So he kicked it short, about five yards short. You know, these kickers, you know, they're not football players, and I don't really respect them but they must be damn good at math for him to make that kind of a calculation, right? So I'll give Graham, Graham, Graham Gano probably got an A in calculus. I'll, I'll say that. But he missed the 58-yarder, and the Giants don't win it. They get a tie with the Commanders, which should. Hey, Mike, there's a, a really weird, quirky scheduling with the, with the Commanders and the Giants. I don't know if you know this. They played yesterday. Commanders have a, a bye week this coming Sunday, and when they come back the following week, they play the Giants again. What is that? Well, Odd. I don't care. 
<laughs> neither one, neither neither one of those teams to me are, are, are viable enough to even worry about. You know, I know early on we were talking about the Giants. The Giants are like the Titans. Yeah, they're the same team. You know, they 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 yeah, unless they're controlling the game with Saquon, and uh, and Daniel Jones you know makes a run like Tannehill made yesterday to get a first down or whatever. Their team you get ahead of, and you're not going to lose to them anyway. So the Giants and Commanders can uh, you know go scratch. Uh, okay, now this is a uh, number five on the NFL five, leads to a a, a bigger discussion. Uh, finally, Deshaun Watson gets back on the football field. Almost two years as he started for the Browns yesterday. The Browns won yesterday. He wasn't very good, very rusty as expected. He threw for 131 yards. The Browns won the game because they got two defensive TDs and one punt return TD. But the bigger issue in this whole thing, uh, uh, most of the Houston crowd booed him. Obviously, now if the, my my uh, test is what happens in Cleveland. Um, frankly, it, it, watching him back on a football field makes me feel a little hinky, and this is one of the problems that I detest in sports when when guys go through this kind of a, a, a situation. And and listen, if you want to read the morbid details of Deshaun Watson and what he did and all these sexual harassment suits, I mean, my, my man's got a perversion. And, and he never really admitted to anything, and he just let time go by, and, and everybody now is expected to welcome him back with, with open arms, including the home team. And this is where I have a problem with home fans. It, it takes me back to when the Yank, when Roger Clemens came back, there were those allegations, and not allegations, but a lot, of, lot proven that, that he was using steroids. And, and he got a standing ovation from the Yankee Stadium crowd. Listen, I understand life moves on and people deserve second chances. This thing is still an open wound, by the way, with Deshaun Watson. Because, you know, you don't even know what the hell happened here. All you have to do, like 22 people, 22 women accused him of this and they, and, and some some really crazy, like, perverted stuff. So um, I, I I would, like, this is the way I think it should happen. And I know it's never going to happen because what well, fans are fans. And they go, well, if he can help our team, I don't care what he did. And when you do that, you kind of lose your soul. But that's your life that you have to worry about. I would welcome him with silence. That, see, to, to me, if it's my home team, I guess I can't boot my own quarterback. But I would have absolutely ambivalence about the guy. And that's never, ever going to happen because he's going to get a standing ovation. And it makes me feel crappy inside. Would it make a difference to you? If the organization wasn't one that is starving for a winner, like let's say it's the Patriots, it doesn't matter. We're all starving for winners. Fans are all starving for winners. So you you, know, you you sacrifice every principle that you have for the sake of winning. I get it. It's a business, and I get it that you want to win, and I get it that you can't avoid it. You can't ban a guy from a league. But as a fan, you can stand up for yourself and say, you know what, this guy's not right. And uh, I, it's going to take me a while to warm him up to him. So I'm not going to cheer. I'm going to stand up when he's introduced and cheer. At least have some self-respect. That's the way I look at it. It's probably not the way a fan looks at it, but that's the way I look at it. Now, people compare this to the Michael Vick situation. I, the Michael Vick situation to me was different. He went to jail. He served time for his transgressions. This guy hasn't served any time except he sat out. And he didn't really admit to anything. Michael Vick took to his his uh, uh, incarceration and and got out and paid a due. And, and then, to me, I look at it differently. And, and not only that, Vick cost himself a fortune in that situation, rightfully so. Whereas Watson just signed the biggest fully guaranteed contract in American sports history. People are desperate. And that's the thing. You're so desperate that you give him this contract that guarantees right. him money. Like, like nothing ever happened. And, and I, I, I don't know what the solution to it is. All I know is it makes me feel a little hinky. Yeah, I agree with you. So, you know, and, and, and if I was a hometown fan, I would feel the same way. And I know most fans aren't cut that way. Most fans say, if you can help our team, let's welcome open arms. Everybody deserves a second chance. Well, yeah, but you're compromising your principles a little bit. Have some principles. Stand up. You know, maybe eventually he can win you over, but he shouldn't be able to win you over now. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, 
Briefly, let's talk about the U.S. soccer team, and then we'll get to three questions for Mike, which we do on every podcast here. The U.S. soccer team lost to the uh, Netherlands. And um, I, I love the fact that uh, we always get excited when we make some kind of an advancement in soccer. This has not been the first advancement. I mean, years ago, they made an advancement, and every, uh, you know, the women's team did, but the men's team also did. And there's always this notion when something like this happens, they want, they got into the, the elimination round is what they did. So they survived, and they got into the elimination round, and they got beat by a better team. And people go, oh, there it is. It's the resurgence of soccer in America. And, and I, I don't mean any disrespect to those people or the sport. Because I did enjoy watching some of the World Cup. But it's never going to be a resurgence. And here's why. Because we have better sports here. In Europe and all these countries in the World Cup, it's nationalistic. They grow up with one sport. And the one sport is soccer. We are always going to be diluted with all the other sports and, and the selection that we have on the other sports where the better athletes are going to gravitate to what they think are the better sports. A kid is not going to wake up and say, boy, I can't wait to make the U.S. soccer national team. He's saying, I wonder if I could play football. I wonder if I could play baseball. I wonder if I could play basketball. It's never going to happen. And we delude ourselves into thinking there's going to be this resurgence where American soccer is going to beat teams like Brazil or the Netherlands or all these teams that are expected to win the World Cup. Italy. They, they grow up with it. I'll say this, Mike. You know, and just I'll just use my town as a microcosm. Okay, I grew up. I live in Marlton, New Jersey, Cherokee High School. Right. I went there. I played football. It's one of the biggest. It's a top five program in the entire state of New Jersey. Okay, soccer was not that popular. Not in this town. The soccer program alone, just the rec council and the travel program. And the high school, it is huge now. It's huge. It's as big as the baseball, almost as big as the football program. They just won the state title. It leads to nothing. I'm just saying, I think it'll never be as popular as the top four. But it, the popularity amongst young kids is is far greater than it was when you I was see, young. You are so missing the point. I agree with you. The youth programs, because it's easy. It's easy to run a youth soccer program. And and that is in within your youth. It doesn't lead to anything where you're going to be better than these European soccer nations. It's just not. Because w when you get older, the greatest athletes are not going to soccer. I was looking at the Netherlands. The Netherlands have these six-foot-three defenders, uh, athletic defenders, that America's not going to have because that 6'3 guy is not going to stay with soccer. He's going to go to another sport. So whatever youth program, and I know the youth program, my God, I can go outside and see seven youth leagues because it's easy to get the kids involved in soccer, but it's not going to make them be Europe in soccer. It's just not. No, I'm not saying it's. Well, that's what I'm saying. People say, what well, people that say there's a soccer resurgence. And America's going to be like in, the, in one of the top soccer programs in the world. They're kidding themselves. They're deluding themselves because in those great countries that produce the great soccer, that's what they do. They're singularly focused on one sport. I agree. You know, they'll never be able to match them all the time. But the gap's been closed, clearly. The, the gap hasn't been closed. They made the second round with Landon Donovan way back in the day, and everybody said the same thing. It's going to lead to a soccer resurgence. It's not, and it's not a bad thing, but don't delude yourself into thinking that it could ever be among the elite soccer programs in the world. It's never going to happen. There aren't enough athletes that will grow up and gravitate to be that in soccer. That I agree with you. Okay, well, then there it is. <laughs> so when I hear Alexi Lalas... And these guys, you know, oh, it's a resurgence in American soccer. I mean, it's bullshit. Bullish is what it is. <laughs> it, it just is. I'm, listen, I'm sorry. I know a lot of people out there listening to this and going, oh, Mike, he's just anti-soccer. I'm not anti-soccer. I, I watch soccer for what it is. My point is that I've, I've traveled outside this country. I've talked to people. That's what they have. We wake up as a kid. We're spoiled American brats. We have our choice of any sport that we want. And most of those sports, dare I say, are a little more meaty. There's more to them. 
the football, the baseball, the basketball. There's more to those sports that kids would be interested in because we're Americans. Uh, and I don't know what that says about us, America. It just we're spoiled brats. But it but it is what it is. And I had this discussion with two guys in India once. I'm in India, and um, uh, and these two guys are uh, one, one's a, a rug broker, and the other friends of my friends. And we're sitting there, and we're having we're having a Kingfisher beer, and they're trying to tell me how great cricket is. And I'm going, cricket, okay, cricket. I, I understand that why you would like cricket. All right. It goes on for a day. I don't understand it. Like one inning goes on for seven hours. I, I, I can't figure it out. What I saw, though, was that if you foul ball one, that somehow is good. <laughs> right. Like you can you can deflect a ball behind you and somehow that's good. That counts for a run. And I'm going to these guys. I said, Listen, I respect your sport. It's what you grew up with. You grew up with cricket. You grew up with soccer. I get it. But had you grown up with American baseball, you would say, boy, American baseball has much more to it than cricket. And they, they couldn't understand. But they don't have that frame of reference. And the soccer people don't have the same frame of reference either. All right. So that's my soccer dissertation for today. All right. It, it is time now for three questions for Mike. Good one today, Mike. Good. Three three good oh, yeah. questions today. Alrighty. We're going to have some fun today. First question is, and I, I it stems from an argument I have often with a lot of people because I am very much anti-Apple, the company, not the fruit. Okay? Hate their products. Hate the people, the zealots, how pretentious they are about Apple. That stupid store and making an appointment to see the genius if you got a problem. All <laughs> that can hit the bricks. I hate Apple. I will never own an Apple phone. Uh, I have an Apple iPad because it was it's it, it's given to me by my uh, one of the companies I work for. Uh, but I I will never a dollar of my money will never go to Apple. Is there a company that will never get your business for any reason whatsoever? No, I used to have this with Chick Fil A uh, because uh, of their uh, anti uh, uh, LGBTQ stand <laughs> and, okay. and uh, their religious uh, um, followings, where they're not open on Sunday. Uh, but then uh, a few weeks ago, I had a pretty good chicken sandwich. So <laughs> I don't know. I think I think maybe I, think maybe I compromised uh, my principles. Uh, I, I also had this uh, thing where I would never buy a Goya product because the the head of Goya, the uh, Mexican, was a because uh, a Trump supporter and a uh, you know fascist and, and the whole bit. And uh, so I stayed away from some of the Goya products. But I, I will make political decisions like that i won't make them because uh apple's taken over the world if they had taken over the world it's because they've got good products so and as long as i can use my iphone and it's apple i'm good with that so i'm not, I'm not gonna resent i'm not gonna resent yes yeah, i have the samsung yeah. and it, i've never had a problem really yeah. i'm never i'm never gonna resent a tech company okay because okay. i'm an anti-tech guy i don't, I don't know so they're, they're, to me they're genius and I'll, so i'll buy into them i'll i'll you know it's you. It's usually some uh, companies that have some kind of political stand. Okay, fair enough. All fair right. enough. All right. Question number two. Uh, weekends now this time of year. I'm trying to get a Christmas or a holiday question in. There's desserts everywhere you look this time of year. Do you have a favorite holiday dessert? It could be from any holiday. It could be like a regatta pie from around Easter time. Could be like a Christmas cookie, a little cheesecake. You know, you get at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Um, what you, what's your favorite holiday dessert? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I'm not big. Uh, I'm not a big dessert man. Neither am I, by the way. Uh, so uh, I, I would uh, let me explain this to you. And I'm also kind of like anti-Italian when it comes to desserts. Not anti, but like I don't partake as uh, like other Italians rave over. The, like, for instance, the cannoli is something I don't rave over. Uh, and and the, the ricotta pie is my mother and grandmother used to make those and I didn't like those either. But my mother did like ma- make these uh, the ricotta cookies. Yes. They, you know they weren't the the, ricotta, the the wet ricotta pie, but they were ricotta cookies. And she used to make these cookies called gems, which had molasses in it and a whole bit. The, her Italian cookies were amazing. So I would say that is my, my favorite dessert. But in Thanksgiving, I am a sucker for a nice slice of pumpkin pie with a little whipped cream on top. So there's where I'll go, but I'm but I'm anti cannoli, I'm anti tiramisu, oh. 
I don't understand. I don't understand the tiramisu. I don't. I don't get it. I'm anti. Yeah, I agree with you on the cannolis. I'm, I really? thought I was the only Italian who didn't really like cannoli, uh, but I love tiramisu. Yeah, I'm not a tiramisu guy. It's too eggy for me, and uh, like flan is like it's all eggs. I, I'm, I'm anti-egg. I, I'm really a strength. I, I'm a foodie, but I'm I'm a restricted foodie in that I will not eat eggs. I will eat them when they're, you know, they, they go to making something where it's like a breading on a, a chicken breast or something like that. Uh, I'm also anti-calamari uh, and anti-muscles and clams, which makes me an oddity in the Italian world. You are. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do muscles. My dad would eat muscles for days, but uh, yeah. I love calamari. The muscle has a—it's a weird-looking thing. It, Texture's it, weird. It, it, it looks like a, a a part of a female anatomy, frankly. But uh, <laughs> that's something we can discuss a little later. It's just very odd-looking. I can't understand. This the, is a the muscle show. It's a family show. Mike. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. It is, so, so it, is it being a family show uh, does not lend itself well to the third question. The okay. third of three questions today, Mike. I don't know if you saw that news report out of New York. There is a morning show. I think it's Good Morning. One of the Good Morning America spinoffs, I think it's GMA3. There is a, a male and female hosts that were both married, that were caught having an affair. They are consenting adults. They are both getting divorced, and they both want to be together. Your thoughts on a situation like that, more to the point, workplace affairs between consenting adults. Are you good with that? Uh, well, listen, uh, it happens. Believe me, the television business is in-house incestuous. Having been in the TV yes. business for a little bit, uh, it's funny about TV people because they all work a lot of hours in that same building together. And it's easy to formulate an attraction for someone else. Now, on this particular thing, it's Amy Rohrbeck that you're talking about. Yes. Uh, and I didn't she, want to say the names. It's it's OK. You can say it. It's all it's splashed all over. The New York Post has a story on it every day. And in New York Daily News, I mean, it's right in her wheelhouse, this story. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 if I ran the station, I'd be worried about the fact that they consumed this affair while they were married. That doesn't play well with an audience. Now, they're saying that they were totally separated from their mates as they engaged in this affair, which I would say, OK, that's that's I have no, absolutely no problem with that. The audience, you are have to convince the audience that 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 happened, because I don't think the audience would like it the other way around. Uh, interesting part about that is poor Andrew Shue. Andrew Shue uh, was the uh, husband of Amy Rohrbach. You know who Andrew Shue is? Yeah, Amy, they're, uh, Elizabeth Shue's brother. Yeah, he was he was Billy on um, Mel, uh, what was it, Melrose Place? <laughs> yes, he was. Yeah, he was the heartthrob Billy on Melrose Place. He was a former soccer player at some Ivy League school. Uh, also, Elizabeth Shue's brother. So uh, yes. apparently, I did love her sister. Oh, she was my childhood crush. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I liked her too. Uh, but uh, you know, the problem with this is that he's he's making a squawk on it. He's making a beef that uh, this this relationship was consummated while they were still together, and she cheated on him, and and the same with the other guy. So uh, they're taking him off the air today. I did see that they came. They took them off the air today. Did not. They were not on the. Sport. Yeah, they're taking them off the air for a while, so they figure. Until they figure out what to do, which normally means they gauge public opinion on it, and and uh, and they have the you know their their executives and their 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 firms that the PR firms that ferret this out, and uh, so I guess they're going to figure out. It's possible they both lose their jobs. Uh, it's also possible that nobody cares after a while, and they get back, and they would have to address it on the air, I think, and come clean and say, listen. We're not at fault here. We we fell for each other while we were uh, uh, separated uh, from our spouses and uh, with two consenting adults. So that's the way they would have to explain. It's funny you said another example of a company gauging public opinion before making a final decision. Nike today, after suspending the relationship with Kyrie Irving, has cut ties with Kyrie Irving. They cut ties with him? Yeah, well, no longer be a Nike athlete. Listen, you can't touch uh, Kyrie. You can't touch Yay. You you just can't. You can't do it. Um, Okay, so that's 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 three questions uh, for Mike today. Uh, All right, now let's uh, let's go with some parting shots, and then we'll wrap this podcast up today. Uh, Let let me just uh, um, tell you that uh, this week 
And uh, tomorrow we'll be talking to Rich Gannon, former NFL quarterback and a, a Philadelphia product uh, about the Eagles and get his insights uh, on, on the NFL. He does a show on Sirius XM that uh, I have been um, listening to a lot called The Blitz. And uh, then Thursday, Dan Orlovsky, that's right, ESPN's national uh, football analyst who – he he, you know, he's taking over the world right now. I mean, he's he's like a, a top analyst that, that that is the hottest analyst going right now. So we'll talk to Dan Orlov. He's smart guy. He's very uh, he's got a lot of character charisma about him. I like him a lot. I'm a big fan of his for this reason. He was known as the quarterback that went quarterback the zero and sixteen Lions who stepped out of ba- out of out of the back of the end zone. One of the most humiliating plays in NFL history. He, that's what he was known for. And now he he's completely known for the opposite. He's a beloved figure in the media, super nice guy, treats people really good, is good at his job, is smart, and like I said, very charismatic, and we'll have him on. Yeah, time. he's very quirky, and I have my sources working on to some of his ESPN quirkiness. He's very food quirky. In fact, he posts stuff about, uh, you know, he's like a mayonnaise sandwich guy, and he puts ice cubes in red wine. And so, you know me. I'm going to be hammering him on these little quirky things as well as talking football. That's coming up Thursday. The Rich Gannon Tuesday podcast and Orlowski on Thursday podcast. Uh, Let me uh, deliver some parting shots here. The first one is about the 49ers. Uh, Earlier today, Baker Mayfield was released. He asked for his release. The Carolina Panthers granted uh, his release. uh, Jimmy Garoppolo being out of this lineup uh, might, uh, might not be a big deal to you, but here are some numbers that indicate that it is a big deal. Uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo as their starter, the 49ers are 38 and 17. Without him, they're 9 and 28. Now they're starting the, the last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, uh, as their starting quarterback. He was their third stringer. He's now their starter. Baker Mayfield is now out there. Um, he stinks, but there is no way that the 49ers can't sign him. And what else are they going to do? They promoted Josh Johnson from their practice squad to be their number two quarterback. If Purdy goes down, Josh Johnson or Baker Mayfield, would you rather have? I mean, I, you got to sign another quarterback, and he's out there. And I got a feeling that that that, that little weasel uh, told like had some discussions with the 49ers, or his agent did, and then went to Carolina and said, "Hey, listen, I want my release," thinking that 49ers would, would snap him up. And let me just say this one thing about Baker Mayfield. Baker, God bless you, because you managed to fool a lot of people commercially. Every time I turn around, you're in a commercial, and they've been pretty successful commercials, and you struck where the iron was hot. You wouldn't get a commercial to sell a candy bar these days, brother. But uh, good luck to you, because I think the 49ers might be uh, might be ringing you up there. Brock Purdy, Josh Johnson are their quarterbacks for a team that thinks they can actually go to the Super Bowl. All right, uh, number two. Um, this has to do with uh, Sirius XM professional sports channels. I, I really hadn't listened to Sirius XM for the, the sport channels. I, I'm more of a music guy with, with satellite radio. But I, as the Phillies were playing in the World Series, I started listening to MLB Network radio. And um, I started to, to gather a lot of information through that radio station. So right now I'm listening to the, uh, to the NFL channel, the radio channel on Sirius XM. And Rich Gannon works for that, of course. But I have a question to ask because I don't know if anybody's noticed this like me. If you listen to those particular shows. Now, they have Charlie Weiss on one show. They have Todd Haley on another show. Todd Haley, former offensive coordinator. What is he? Defensive coordinator? Offensive coordinator? Uh, former offensive coordinator. Uh, very controversial and uh, you know, always in beefs with his players the whole bit. And Charlie Weiss, who wasn't very successful uh, once uh, he got head coaching jobs. Uh, why is it? First of all, football people, football coaches, especially at, at what and, and Reese Hoskins was guilty of this also. At the end of every sentence, they had to say, "Right, like, like you know, we like we we had to attack the, the right side, right? Uh, you know, like they always have to do an affirmation of what they just said by tacking on the word right with a question mark. It's very odd, but it's happening more th- today than ever. And, and I notice it now." As far as Charlie Weiss and, and Todd Haley are concerned, th- I swear to God, I have never heard two people say the words, I mean, and you know, more than these two guys. They, before they start, they go, I, I mean, when, 
you know, and, you know that the introductory. I, I mean, and then they, you know, and try. I sw- here's what I want people to do. If you have the time to do it, I haven't had time to do it. I, I would love for you to listen to either one of these shows, and take note of how many times the word I know, you know, and I mean, are said in an hour. Because I tried to, I tried to estimate it the other day. I listened to Charlie Weiss, and I go, "Oh my god!" And I start putting little notches down. And I swear to God, in one hour, that dude said, uh, "I mean," and you know, two hundred times in one hour. And I'm going, "Stop it! You're man driving me crazy. Just talk like a normal person. You don't have to say I know every three seconds or I mean. You know, I know what you mean. You're saying it. You don't have to say I mean." I know you mean it. Next week's guest on the podcast is Charlie Weiss, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. Time to close it down. Again, let me, uh, um, let me tell you to download that Bet Rivers app because uh, I, I had a couple winners. I've been hot, man. I've been hot. The Bet Rivers app. I, I, I bet against USC and I bet against TCU on the Bet Rivers app and, and, and cashed in. And we'll talk about that Thursday in our podcast. But don't forget to download that Bad Rivers app. It's really easy to download. Put it right on your phone. Boom! You get the you get the odds. You get the the the, the futures. You get the live scores. Where you know, I bailed out of a bet the other day. Where uh, oh, I bail I I bet the Netherlands and the U.S. soccer team. Where there's going to be apparently this major resurgence in soccer in this country. I bet the U.S. soccer team um at, at, to tie the Netherlands. And once the Netherlands went up, what did they go up three to one? They went up three to one late. I bought out of the bet on the Bet Rivers app for three dollars. You can't beat that. Otherwise, I was down to shoot. Uh, so you can do that live betting right there. Uh, check that out. Also, follow me on Twitter, Mike Miss Two Five. I'll keep you up to date on whatever uh, I'm up to. In fact, uh, I want to thank the people. But Saturday, I did a book signing for my book, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. Brought my dog in there for two hours. She was a perfect lady. People loved petting her as they were buying the books and a book signing. And we're doing another one at the Barnes & Noble this Saturday at the Neshaminy Mall. So Barnes & Noble and Neshaminy Mall, 2 to 4 p.m. It'll be me and Shima, my dog. And we'll be hanging out, signing books, copies of the book, uh, a good children's book. I, I think it's a a book that children just started to read. It's perfect for kids that just start to read. Or if they if you haven't they haven't read yet, their parents can sit down and read them. I think the pictures of the dog are great. My illustrator, Alex Lee, his family showed up last Saturday, Barnes & Noble, Montgomery Square. So we'll be at the Neshaminy Mall. At the, uh, that's my old stomping grounds, by the way. Neshaminy Mall. That was like one of the first malls. That was your mall? Oh, we used to hang out and, you know, yeah, you know, meet a lot of Neshaminy high girls there. Yeah, the guy from the poor kid from Bristol going to the upper crust, meeting the mall girls on the other side of the kid from the other side of the tracks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, after the Chamonix Mall uh, there. So we'll be there from two to four at that Barnes and Noble, the Chamonix Mall. I hope to see you there. I'd love to meet everybody. Uh, also, uh, Natalie Vineyards. That is the winery that I'm now part owner of. And we have some great holiday specials to order your wine. You can get it shipped right to you, especially if you're in Jersey, Darren. Uh, Natalie, I guess I know what I'm getting for Christmas. Yeah, there you go. NatalieVineyards.com. That's N-A-T-A-L-I-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D-S.com. Go to the website. You can order our great wines. Let me recommend the Nana Cellar Red or a good cab. We have a Merlot and a Tempranillo that are fantastic. Also some, some white wine like Chardonnay and Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, some really good wines. We're making some really good wines down there, and I hope you can stock up for the holidays. It'd be great uh, to, to give as gifts, and you can get it shipped right to you. Uh, and also uh, to buy the book, uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com, you can find my book, uh, Shima, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. All right, so Rich Gannon tomorrow. We'll talk Eagles and NFL. Dan Orlowski on Thursday. We'll talk Eagles and NFL. Uh, everybody have a great rest of the day. Is, is that about it for today, Darren? Well, one thing I want to mention, too, to people that listen to the podcast, there's an even easier way. There's two easy ways. You could just say, hey, Alexa, play the Mike Missinelli podcast. She's probably going to play it now, too. There you uh, go. Is it on? Yeah, Alexa playing it? Yeah, if you have Alexa. You Alexa, stop. Yeah. But if you don't have Alexa, if you're one of those Apple credence, you just say, hey, Siri, play the Mike Missinelli podcast. Boom.
Right. Or if you're a computer and you go to Google and you put it in and it'll, it'll pop right up. And uh, here's what I need yeah. you to do. Subscribe to it. It's free. So, so make sure you subscribe and it'll be shot right to you. That's the, really the easiest way to do it. All right. Um, that's it. I guess that's about it. Okay. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow on the Mike Missinelli Podcast with Rich Gannon. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.